It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, to Locked On Knicks. The first Knicks win of the year. The Knicks beat the Bulls 105 to 98 on Monday night. And it was a fantastic one led by Bobby Portis and his godlike effort. So I will be going over that today, not with Gavin, but with Drew Steele and Ashwin Ramnath. You may know him as Schwinny Poo on Twitter. You why why did you say his name in ahead of mine because my first name is alphabetically ahead of his first name and my last name is also alphabetically ahead of his last name so clearly you're not schwinn you need to shut up and let me finish doesn't even know you know does he doesn't even know how to spell my name so a a quick peek behind the curtain these two uh host the host the posting and toasting show i told them not to talk during the intro but damn it schwinn did anyway (laughs) and we'll be right back with locked on nicks to get into this first Knicks win of the season. <laughs> you are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind. Count and one. As Fisdale pokes his fist. What he does is he contagious. Oh, Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Trier drives down. All right, and we are locked on Knicks. I am here with Schwinny Poo, who I mentioned first, and Drew Steele who you may know as Scooter Toots, you to know, talk about the Knicks' first win of the season. Uh, Schwinn, I'll ask you how you are first, since you got so offended during the intro. How the fuck are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm doing very well. Um, you know, the Knicks winning always puts a positive spin on things. But other than that, I'm doing well. All right. I, uh, go stroke now. Can I ask Drew how he is? I just, want, I just wanted to point out a, a, a pretty blatant case of racism on your part so. <laughs> i don't see color schwinn i don't <laughs> uh drew how are you today you know i'm a little uh i'm a little offended because like my first name in alphabetical order is before ashwin because my name is andrew so no like, one calls you andrew shut the fuck up that's what, that's, that's what the government calls me man i mean so you're a narc <laughs> oh i'm definitely a narc <laughs> <laughs> all right Let's stop bullshitting. Uh, clearly, we are we are all good buddies from Posting and Toasting. Again, these two host the Posting and Toasting show every Monday on PostingandToasting.com. So please, please be sure to check that out if you have not done so already. Although yeah, I, I get the feeling to, based on Twitter. Posting and Toasting show, it came out this Monday. Like, listen to that before you listen to this. And then, yeah, you re-listen, and then re-listen back to our podcast and you're just going to be like, yo, that's even better, man. <laughs> 
I get the feeling there's a lot of listener crossover anyway, based off Twitter and stuff. It seems like it seems like we have a lot of a lot of symbiosis between our listeners. At any rate, this game, I, I mean, the Knicks came out. They looked like garbage for the first however many minutes, um, like really the whole first quarter, I guess. And then Frank Nilakina came in, and surprise, surprise, things kind of shored up a little bit. Um, I mean, you could. You could. It, there was definitely other factors at play as well, but his he seemed to stabilize the perimeter defense a little bit. Uh, the Knicks actually soundly outplayed the Bulls for pretty much every other quarter. It just didn't help that they were down by 18 after one. Um, so that sort of put them behind the eight ball immediately. But they scratched, they clawed, they got back into the game. They won every other quarter after that and wound up winning the game 105 to 98 behind Bobby Portis, who was godlike with 28 points. Uh, He shot 10 of 14, 4 of 4 from 3. He had 11 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks. Um, Yeah, I'll let you guys fight over who gets to talk about him first, but I mean, Bobby Portis was insane in this game. He literally was playing like a man possessed against the team that traded him away a year ago. I I just... Like, I thought people were going crazy over, like, him shooting poorly the first three games. Because, like, like I, I my bigger issue with him was more just, like, one, his pick-and-roll coverage was, like, which had actually been decent in preseason. He was just totally lost. And he was he was actually really, really good in pick-and-roll defense today. Um, aside from, like, a couple of, I mean, look, he's not gonna, ever going to be elite. But he, he, he had a couple brain farts is all. Um, but the other, like... People are like, he can't shoot. It's like, I think he has enough of a track record now where, like, if he has three bad games shooting, you can just be like, all right, like, it's probably going to come around at some point here. Um, and he, he was only 0 of 7 from 3 before today. So, like, yep. what what is he now? Is 3 of 10 from 3? Uh, that... 4 of 11. 4 of 11. 4 of 11. My math is very good. Um, well, I made it very well known that he was 0 of 7 coming into today. He said yeah. it about 18 times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, like I just didn't really understand why people were so like they're like, oh, he can't shoot, and I'm like, if there's one thing about Bobby Portis, I'm not worried about. It's that I think he can shoot. He's improved his percentages and his volume every year, which is basically like the ideal progression you want to see from a shooter. Unlike Luke Cornett's progression, which has been stagnant. Oh man, Luke Cornett uh, got smoked today yeah, by he, Bobby Portis. He got, why don't you just why don't you just at Do Real Bootum? Right here on this. I mean, hey, Budum owned it. Oh, like, oh, yeah, he owned it. But it I was already, funny. already, I, I already had to share it in the Slack. He he knows. He's embarrassed. And and we all like. I think we all basically agreed that like it was, it was less that like Portis is hopeless and more that we had kind of, we kind of have so many young guys and projects already that maybe Portis was one too many. Um, and he like he's a Chuck. I mean, that's what he is. He's a Chuck. Um, but like what I, I mean, I'm, I messaged this. I mean, me and Drew were talking about this in the slack, but like the way he chucked tonight was good. And I'm not just saying next he hit shots. It was like, he was just decisive with everything he did. Um, he wasn't like bogging down possessions or anything like that, you know? And like, that's basically what you want. If he's going to like for any Chuck, it's like, that's what you want them to do. There's just catch and shoot. Like that's, what's been infuriating with Morris, right? Cause he'll like get a pretty decent opportunity to just pop. And like, instead he has to go into his, you know, whole like fucking Carmelo Morris thing that he does. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Portis, he played the game of his life. He was plus 31. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus 31. That's, plus plus thirty one in freaking twenty nine minutes. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's just over you know basically a minute. Like he was plus one every single minute, and it just kept accumulating and on the court. He had like a he had a really good block on was it Sadoransky or was it Levine late? I don't remember. Who, I, I don't remember who it was, but it was a really nice block. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, he had the one. I think he had the one on Sadoransky, and then I think it was Randall actually had the really good contest on Levine that made him do the travel because he couldn't even hit yeah. rim on his layup yeah. attempt. That was Randall. Yeah. I mean, it was like, look, Portis was just, there's only you can say other than that he played like, I mean, we've talked about this so much. I've, I've tweeted about this endlessly over the past few years, and like, you know, it's just been embarrassing to watch a lot of nights where like, you can just tell the other team is just clowning these dudes at the garden and like 
having a good laugh and it was kind of shaping up that way early on and uh portis was definitely instrumental like he was yeah his energy today was just like incredible and uh i don't know man like i just he's just always bet on guys with that type of like psycho drive that that just like are that intense like you just kind of if you're ever gonna bet on guys being late bloomers i feel like it's usually those type of dudes and i mean everything we've read about portis and everything he just seemed like he he definitely seems like a focused guy like coachable um really does genuinely like want to be as good as he can be um you know it's he's a gym rat you know uh <laughs> scrappy scrappy yeah. junkyard dog yeah, no but but he, he he like for all these guys talking about dog mentality and stuff like you know portis you read about like basically his life story and it's like i mean it's pretty inspiring stuff so uh i mean i'm i'm rooting for him and as somebody that you know was pretty vocal about not being happy about that signing i've been i've been a little yeah i I, yeah i've genuinely like thought he's gotten kind of a shitty rap after these first three games um because of how kind of he was being used but like today i thought we just had the perfect balance with him getting even like his drive so many of them were off of kickouts right and he just grabbed and went yeah drew what are your thoughts on on portis after this one I mean, it's just, it's nice to, uh, nice to see it. Just like, like having, you know, Bobby be the one to like bring the, you know, the garden up and alive. It's just really, I feel like it's really fitting because he's definitely like the most vocal. Um, yeah, I really like just the decisiveness with everything. He was just like, he knew when to like pump drive. He did everything wonderful. I actually did watch the blocks he had. He had one on, um, what's the name? Chris Dunn, which was the second half one. The other was like, uh, Otto Porter or something like that. So yeah, Bobby Porter said the same amount of blocks as Mitchell Robinson yeah. in this game, can, which is. Can we talk about too? One of my, you know, the threes were amazing, obviously, but I think that my favorite play that Bobby did the whole game was he and Ellington ran this like great two man game on the one side of the court. Like they they were on the right side, and uh, Bobby got the ball out by the three point line, hands it off to Ellington, who then quickly gives it back to Bobby coming back around like towards the corner. And then Ellington just kind of went back and forth once or twice right there and, like, confused the shit out of Laurie Markinen, who was guarding Portis. And then Portis had the wherewithal still with the ball in his hands, obviously, to just, like, do a quick little spin and just took an easy take right to the hoop. And the lane was completely open because the Knicks actually had the floor space properly and had people out at the three-point line on the other side to keep defenders away. It was, it was probably one of my favorite little sequences of the whole game. Personally, I don't know if that one stuck out to you guys or if there was any other Bobby plays that really kind of, you know, stuck in your mind tonight. When he just bodied Cornette on like three straight possessions, that's yeah, amazing. those were yeah, that's what there was one of them. He just took Cornette off the dribble and it was just so embarrassing for Cornette. He was like 25 feet behind him. And it's Look, just can like, we, can we just talk about Cornette for a second? Because this is exactly fucking why all these fucking nerds on Twitter that were like, oh, Cornette is like. That's a really shrewd sign. Like, look, I like Cornette. He's okay. But, like, he's a guy that's always going to rate out better in fucking advanced metrics than he ever will in the actual, like, in actuality. And it's because because he doesn't do anything that he's not good at, right? Like, because he can't. He can't do anything other than shoot threes and fucking stand underneath the rim and block shots. As soon as you get that guy in space, he, like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I, I probably move more fluidly than this guy. Like after five beers, he just can't turn his <laughs> hips at all. He can't turn his hips at all. I'm 60 total, right now, and I'm podcasting. <laughs> he's he's total. He's a total liability on the glass. Like he can't create his own shot. You can't just throw it to him in the. Every time we tried to post him up last year, you remember what he would do? He would like he would have, no matter who the hell he was posting, he'd have to take that stupid Dirk fade because he has because he can't post anybody up. Like, Reminds me I'm, of a certain Chris Apps Porzingis. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but the people pining over Luke Cornett are just like watch but just please like watch a little bit more basketball you know like just i'm gonna get Budum on here so you guys can cage match over luke Luke cornet next time but even even Budum, i guarantee you give him truth to him he (laughs) fucking knows that cornet isn't actually like amazing at basketball he just liked cornet because Budum's like six years old and it's like a child with basketball (laughs) right like you know it's cool like i get it i used to love fucking 
Anthony Bonner and shit like that. Like, oh, my favorite play, my favorite play that I mentioned too. He cooked Cornette, by the way. He didn't cook Markin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it even better. <laughs> um, um, but he, you know, he actually did a pretty decent job of getting out on Markinen on pick and roll because actually, you know, like uh, not just to touch on it, but you mentioned kind of like how the defense was it was Swiss cheese to start the game. And, uh, you know, it, we should have been down by more uh, earlier because they missed so many wide open threes in like the first six minutes of that game. Uh, Marketing missed a couple. Otto Porter Jr. missed a couple. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. And, uh, you know, actually, after that point, I thought pretty I'm just today. I'm just putting all the friends of the pot on the on blast here because we saw I saw a tweet from uh, our buddy Jeremy Cohen saying that I think he was at the game and he was like, I, I didn't think the Knicks deserved to win. And I actually totally disagree because I thought after like that initial garbage start, I thought the Knicks thoroughly outplayed the Bulls. Um, oh, I thought so as well. Like yeah. they, oh, they, they definitely were, did. The, the Knicks were like their own worst enemy, actually, most of the time, just kind of like with some of the lineup stuff. And we'll get into that later. But like, yeah, that missing bunnies driving into like the packed paint when they had wide open threes. But like, you know, they just I mean, there were so many chances for them to fold. And just like, you know, call it a night, and they didn't. And um, yeah, I mean, they they totally outplayed the Bulls. I thought deserved the win. Like, I actually was like, I was like, wow, this would be like the worst fake comeback because they totally deserved to win this game. Whereas, like, you know, with the Nets game and and the Spurs game, it kind of was like, you kind of felt like those teams were actually better, but we could maybe or you like fell into it. The next yeah, year. we could like yeah. kind of sneak a win, but. This game, yeah, I mean, I just thought we totally outplayed them after that first six minutes. So, you know, props to Fizz, who I trash all the time, and props to the players who, you know, stuck with it and in some ways, like, you know, showed that they're not quitting on Fizz. And I think that was the biggest takeaway to take from it because that Celtics game was such a debacle. It would have been easy to tailspin into, like, you know, three, four, five more losses or something. Yeah, very different from last year and what we saw then uh, when the team would lose games and then and then just proceed to lose many more games after that. All right, just a quick reminder before we take our first break that today's show is brought to you in part by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand, and they sponsor RJ Barrett, in case you didn't know, greatest rookie in the world. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering code LOCKEDON at checkout. Hey, are you in the New York area and looking to promote your business to a young, predominantly male demographic? Then Locked On Knicks is the podcast for you. 80% of our listeners fall between the ages of 18 and 44, and 98% of those listeners are male. As the top Knicks podcast on the market, we offer a unique opportunity to engage with basketball fans in the city. If interested in an ad spot or live read, email LockedOnKnicks at gmail.com for more information on pricing and availability. Our rates are very affordable compared to radio and offer a chance to reach an audience on an ever-growing platform. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league. Helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's let's move on as much as I don't want to move on from Bobby Porter. So we have talked about him for a good amount of time here. But there's another guy we could talk quite a bit about. Um I'll just briefly touch on him then, Drew, if, if you want to lead in on him since Schwinn got to lead in on Bobby Portis. Uh, we had R.J. Barrett today, 40 minutes, so high on the minute counter again, but I feel like the Knicks really needed every single one of those minutes from him, uh, which seems to be the case more and more. It seems like every minute that R.J.'s out there, the team 
performs better generally, except for occasionally the open of the game when the lineup just really does not seem ideal. Uh, but RJ finished with 19 points. He had 15 rebounds and five assists, only two turnovers, shot seven to 15 from the floor, did not hit a three. Uh, a little concerning early season trend that I'm sure will correct itself. He shot five of 11 from the free throw line. But like all in all, pretty, I I don't know if I'm willing to call it even his best game of the season, strangely enough, but you know, it's up there. It's kind of hard to pick. It's like picking between your favorite flavor, favorite flavor of pie for RJ's best what's game your, of the season. What's so your favorite, your, uh, favorite, yeah. favorite pie? Pumpkin. I, I guarantee you. Oh, of course it's pumpkin. I love pumpkin. I love pumpkin boring, pie. It's my time of year. Of course it's boring pie, pie like, you know, preference. Jesus. You guys are both Apple, aren't you? Is that Am I right? One of you I mean, is. We've definitely I, talked about this before. No, I, I like. Uh, I, I do like apple, but it's not um, it's not the top pie. Definitely not the uh, pie. Pecan pie is obviously better than apple pie or or. You know, I mean, anything is better than pumpkin pie. I, I mean, like I love pecan pie also. I just like pumpkin pie the best with about like eight pounds of whipped cream on it. Have you ever had a uh, chocolate chest pie? No, that sounds good. That, though. Is that some like MAGA Boston thing? <laughs> no, it's, it's actually a MAGA, it's MAGA Texas thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like a custard pie, but it has a very similar consistency to like a brownie as well. And it's a very good pie. I make a pretty good one myself. That sounds pretty good. All yeah, right, now yeah, that we've, that now we've done good. that. So wait, Drew, what's your actual favorite before we move on? <sighs> Probably some uh, cherry pie. Okay. All right, cool. All right, now, what are your thoughts on RJ Barrett? <laughs> um, RJ is the um, definitely the rookie of the year right now. Maybe the rookie of uh, the NBA probably ever to uh, play. Um Really made me laugh. It just I'm going to look at the numbers right now. I, I don't know if uh, Tommy Beer is the friend of the show or... Anything like that, I but he was a friend of the show. I like Tommy Beer. All right, so I, I has he been on the show? No, but I'll call uh, him a friend of the show. Yeah. He's an enemy, so you know, he hasn't accepted your your Facebook friend request. <laughs> Not yet. I have. Truth be told, I mean, shouts to Tommy Beer. If, if, Tommy, if you're listening and you want to DM me or something, come on the show. I just haven't like even attempted to bring him on yet for whatever reason. So one of these days, hopefully. And so anyway, he tweeted out like there were only two teenagers to ever post like 19, 15, and 5, and it was RJ and LeBron. So I was like, what did LeBron actually post as a teenager? And it's 33 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists on 50% shooting. That was LeBron? That was LeBron's LeBron. game. That was LeBron's game as a teenager who put up over 19, 15, and 5. It's just LeBron just kind of dwarfed it. I mean, not by that much. (laughs) I mean, whatever. It was cool. RJ's having his moment. If you're in, if you're in any conversation with LeBron at 19, it's probably a good thing. Oh, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I'm, I love it. I think you know he's probably gonna be better than LeBron when it's all said and done. I mean, there's nothing RJ can't do on the floor. Like you well, mentioned, RJ's stuff. not afraid of the moment either. So yeah, it's... well, you overlooked like he played again like good defense, like pretty solid defense. Like yeah, he got beat a couple times off the dribble, but he played another like really good game just being in the passing lanes and everything. And that's just so crazy to see for a 19-year-old perimeter player because you just watched the 19-year-old perimeter player and Kevin Knox play defense last year as a rookie, and it was it wasn't defense. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Kevin Knox is we know that he has no hope of being an NBA player because his uh, DBPM was atrocious last year. It's unfortunate. Yo, it was, it was really bad. I think it was like a negative 69 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah there's zero shot that Kevin Knox is ever going to recover from <laughs> posting those horrible... Yeah weighted advanced metrics in his rookie season on one of the worst teams in the NBA being played 40 minutes a game. Yeah, but he was 19. At 19, I was fucking running six miles uphill both ways to uh, school. To and from school. And I was was shooting 43% from three, too. And and I was working a 40-hour work week, all right? So, (laughs) while while taking 16 credits, so. (laughs) Shwin, what did you think about RJ in this game? What, I, what I, this was his best game. Place? This was his best game for me because, like, he just—I mean, I, I don't know. Like the free throw shooting missing. Obviously, that's something he absolutely. I mean, he's leaving like four, three or four points on the floor every night with that, which is like—I mean, it sounds trivial, but like that's like, added up through the first. Yeah, game. I mean, you—he might be averaging like twenty-five a night. If he was hitting free throws at a at like seventy five percent instead of 
whatever the hell he's shooting right now, probably like 48, 45. Yeah, if that. <laughs> yeah, whatever he's shooting, not, not a good percentage. But um, he just grinded so hard today, I thought. And like, like he, because he got off to a really bad start with that, whatever the hell the spacing was in that lineup, which was garbage, but like, which has been garbage. Uh, we can talk about that later, sorry. Um, but like he, I was kind of like thinking, you know, him and Randall both got off to, poopy starts and i was like oh well you know tonight it might just be like his first kind of like go rookie rookie game you know like just can't can't get it going can't really find his spots can't find a way to make uh, a positive impact with the ball but like um and kudos to fizz actually too because you know as much we shit on the guy all the time but like i thought tonight the offensive sets were a lot better we were not running so many designed post-ups and uh even a lot of the isolation stuff that came out you could tell was like not what he wanted and it was the result of guys you know they clyde wouldn't shut up about it today about how like they would nobody he was like nobody wants to shoot nobody's shooting outside the paint they all want to get into the get to the rim and it's like he was right and it's so uh, but yeah, like he was just, he was running all, he ran horns constantly in the second half for RJ and RJ was, I mean, he ate, he, he, I, I don't know what, whatever it is, man, just put that guy in horns and you're almost guaranteed like a quality shot in the possession. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some of his vision too is just for, for a rookie wing. Um, yeah, it, it's like just the progression of his game in terms of his handle, uh, and kind of just like. willingness almost to pass which again you know coach k sucks um yeah it was yeah i i I was very very impressed with his performance today i thought that was was like a very mature performance to kind of find a way to to get yourself going and and engage and like really was one of the driving force other than portis you'd say what he was said like the driving force of the win the second driving force. He was the one starter that you were like, didn't want to punch in the face. Oh, absolutely. Time. Yeah. I mean, RJ was, I, I think had, I would say if you were to give out like, like the three stars, like hockey style for this game, it would be Portis as the first star. Obviously RJ is the second Knox, I think is the third because I, without Knox starting off the run that Bobby ended up finishing, like the Knicks wouldn't have won this game. Um, because like Knox, like he hit what was it two two threes and a really nice drive in the fourth quarter, like all at a very clutch moment when the Knicks like really needed that if they were going to actually like attempt this comeback or not. And he delivered, and I think he honestly he could have probably scored more <clears throat> had Fizdale not decided to sub in Morris for him down the stretch. And Morris had a uh, I think Morris had a, a mid range shot of his own, so he had one drop down the stretch, but. I mean, all in all, I liked how Knox played a lot more than Morris. Um, I guess did he play a lot more than Morris? Morris, I think, I think he did. Yeah. No, Morris played thirty-one minutes. No, no, I said I liked how he played a lot more than Morris, like as in like style of play, qualitatively. Yes, exactly. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, that brings me to another thing, though, that I think is kind of interesting. Um, I, first off... Was? Yeah, well, first off, I was going to say, I think I saw or heard something on the MSG post game before we started recording that Alfred might have been injured. Yeah, he, yeah the yeah, hamstring injury. Yes, yeah, so I, I missed that when it happened during the game. But at any rate, so he might miss time. Um, I'm kind of wondering if we might be, if it might be time to switch up the starting lineup, do a little double switch baseball style, and put Frank Nilakina in at point guard to start the game, to shore up the defense to start. So hopefully the Knicks don't end up 18 points down again. We don't have an option, right? If, if yeah. Elf is out right now. Exactly. Like... But well, and then also, <laughs> also throw Knox in for Morris. Uh, the other option would be if Fizz decides to put RJ at point guard and stick with the same front court. But I, I really hope that he doesn't at this point. 
Um, because I kind of like I, I liked Frank and Barrett's dynamic out there. Like a lot of times they had Barrett handling the ball and setting up the offense, but he's proven pretty admirable at doing that so far. Like I've actually been really encouraged by RJ's like the lead ball handler, even if he's not dishing the assist of the possession or whatever, he at least gets things moving in a pleasing way. Um that, you know, eventually leads to a bucket at some point, um, which is similar things you say for Frank. But with RJ also, too, you have the fact that he can actually like finish shots and layups and stuff, which Frank, I mean, I loved what he did all in all on the court, but that was not his forte once again because he was 06, had zero points. So he's uh, aiming a shot right now. You could you could tell that pretty. Yeah, pretty yeah. Obviously. The form still look pretty good, but you could definitely tell like. Yeah, like he his follows didn't seem right. Like, but yeah, you know. but like honestly, I don't even give a shit because, like, this is what I I can't even I can't even like describe to people how long we've been talking about this in the posting and toasting Slack about how like Frank and RJ is clear like it's so obviously a plus defensive backcourt and like you're basically talking about Frank. I mean, yeah, he has to come far. Like, he has to really progress as a shooter. But, like, that's the major impediment to that being a plus lineup. But, like, it gives you so much versatility on defense. And you basically have two guys. Like, you you could see it. They were switching so fluidly. And, like, you weren't... I think RJ got blown by a couple times, but he also played 40 minutes tonight. So he's probably tired. Um, But, like, he got... He had, like, there were a couple blow-bys he gave up in the second half. But, like... Yeah, I mean, you have two plus point of attack defenders right there. Um, two guys that are willing and able to fight over screens. Um, Frank obviously has zero problem at all deferring to RJ, which is like awesome because I have zero desire to not to watch players not defer to him at this point. <laughs> like, I just don't want to watch anybody on the Knicks other than RJ do shit, basically. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to running the show and kind of playmaking and all that but um yeah i mean that was obvious that was such a no to me it's we've talked about this forever it's just like it's crazy to me that it took you know on uh you know condolences to dennis Smith jr uh with what he's going through um obviously you never want that to you never wish upon that wish that upon anybody um but it's crazy or, or then start complaining on twitter like why can't i talk about dennis smith having to be benched you know yeah it's just like yeah like, yeah, come on, man, just, just let him grieve. Yeah, so it it sucks that it took that, and maybe Alfred being hurt uh, to kind of see that for extended run. But, you know, that said, obviously, like, there are clearly issues. Frank needs his shots, but, um, yeah, pretty encouraging early returns with that lineup, I would say, right? Oh, I would definitely say that. And, like, yeah, the shooting definitely sucks for Frank, but he does so many of the extra little things as well on offense and to get up like he's still going to go after like a rebound and his ability to i think he pushes the ball in transition probably the best out of all the guards not in terms of like running up the court but frank's really good at doing those like outlet passes outlet passes like you get the initial pass from the big man for the rebound he's really good at getting hit rj on one he did and like he's really nice yeah like frank first half right yeah, it was in the first half, and Frank does that really well, and that's really important to have in a guard who can both defer or set it up that way. Then also, Frank's setting up a lot of the offense, too, pointing, telling people where to go and calling out plays, and then, like, if one action doesn't turn out well, Frank can get organized everyone for a good counteraction. It it just fits, and it's so blatantly obvious, and that's what makes the whole Fizz thing frustrating because it's, it's, so, it's so there. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean what did we like? What didn't we like with Fizz in this game? I already pointed out earlier, the thing that perplexed me the most was he has this lineup that was cooking with Knox and Portis, like carrying the offense down the stretch. And then simultaneously at one moment in time decides to swap in Mitch, who was like cold as ice on the bench. I think he'd been sitting since halfway through the third quarter. And and Marcus played that well on defense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and the thing Marcus is, Morris, but then he did thankfully remedy that situation, like the next possession, and took Mitch back out well, and next put two possession, back in. Next two, two possessions, possessions the Bulls scored like th- like two three pointers on on them that quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the thing is, and uh, you know, shout out to uh, Jonathan Macri for pointing this out, but he uh, 
he basically had Portis. Portis had played 16 minutes in a row at that point, so I think he was just trying to buy him a breather there. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, like, I think that's a pretty legitimate reason for trying, trying to get him a minute or two, maybe. Um, and he kind of went with an all-defense lineup at that point, too, because I think Frank came in also then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that. Like, I think my primary issue, though, is, like, Knox didn't need to get pulled there. He really didn't deserve to be. I thought he I thought he kind of earned the right to close that game tonight. Um, it's not a huge deal. Uh, because well, it's, won, not even, it's not even like Knox was playing bad on defense, which is no, sometimes the thing that you could be like, oh, that's not. But, I mean, he had literally just, like, a minute prior, Frank had, you know, like, cut off a, a screen or, you know, a, a guy off a screen. And then that, like, created some turbulence. And then Knox, like, snuck into the passing lane, had this huge transition dunk. I mean, Knox was, like, he was playing both ends of the floor pretty well, pretty well tonight. I don't think it was a one of those deals where, you know, you could be like, oh, well, Knox is making shots, but he just gave up, you know, X, Y, or Z on the other end. And, you know, it kind of justifies taking him out for the stretch run like he actually i thought was playing a very complete game and morris was not morris played a really crappy game i thought in general yeah morris is him and randall are like both just like so far in their own heads right now like some of it is just their tendencies as players are can be annoying but you know also it's just like he's just he's so he's like arguing with the reps all the time i just <laughs> i don't know what the hell's going on with it right now it's just funny um but yeah i just yeah i i, I completely agree with you Knox, like he had one really good possession. I think, was it the one on Levine? He, like, basically locked down Levine one-on-one on possession. I was like, wait, did you just, like, realize you're this gigantic, like, growing oh, guy? <laughs> yeah, like, did you just, in the middle of this game, realize that? Because he had, a, he had a steal in that dunk, too, right? That was like, I was like, wait, who is this guy? What are you doing? Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I really like, one thing I will give Fizz is I really like, the role he's kind of carved out for Knox. Uh, I think just giving him less to do is going to make him so much better. And we're already kind of seeing the results of that. Uh, he needs to improve his touch around the rim when he finishes. Um, but man, that shot looks really nice and the defense is still not good, but it's better. Uh, and he's just making so many quick decisions with the ball that I, yeah, it's, it's great. It's very nice to see. Yeah. Drew, what do you think as far as Knox goes? Do you have anything to add as far as him? I don't know. I've I've been gushing like crazy about Knox as far as how he's been playing through the early part of the season. I really think I think that he's embraced off ball movement a ton, which is great because oftentimes, you know, he'll be like the shot in the arm that the Knicks get after, you know, seven, eight minutes in the first quarter of barely moving around at all and just ISOing and falling into a hole. Knox comes out there, it seems like, and is constantly, you know, trying to run around the perimeter, trying to use screens, trying to set screens even sometimes, like trying to find himself open at the top of the three-point line for open threes and, and you know, just generally making really winning plays, especially on offense right now. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add. You guys did a great job there talking yeah. about Kevin Knox. The, yeah. the one thing, I guess, I guess your initial question, though, was like, what was the what we thought about fizz right um well it's sort of what we thought about fizz also potentially game planning for a lineup that might not include alfred payton yeah so i think that 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 starting lineup just needs like if he if he has to start morris because it's like this weird pride thing he has to he he has to do like the fake starter thing with him you know he has yeah, to do like, like the lance thomas start yank him after two it's, minutes yeah like <laughs> i think who, who made that famous that was a it was like a the Keith Bogans, right? With uh, when he was with Tibbs in Chicago, where he would like start, but he'd get pulled within <laughs> like after two or three. Yeah, minutes. yeah, like that. That's that's what needs to happen, Morris. And it's not because he sucks; it's just because he's that lineup has zo- like that's not what they need. They don't need Morris in that lineup. They need a guy that can make impact, like as a movement shooter off the ball. Um, it was pretty obvious to me late in the game when Fizz Fizz made another good adjustment. He started using Randall more as a role man offensively, uh, which our friend Prez uh, pointed out to me. Um, started using him more as a role man. When did Prez half. point that out to you? And, uh, he DM'd me. Uh, I was going to say, because we literally just talked about that on our show. I was saying that Randall should be running pick and rolls more. I was gonna yeah, say. But, but he did. And he, and he had him do that more in the second half, which is why like he still was 
I mean, he's still, I don't know, that layup he missed was ridiculous. But um, he definitely, all of a sudden you were like, oh, he's not turning the ball over. He's actually making good passes to shooters. It's like, yeah, because for whatever reason, Randall's just a guy that like sees the floor better when you put him as the role man in pick and roll instead of like using him as a face-up, post-up guy from like 15 to 18 feet out. That's just not his game. He's going to keep doing stupid shit if you do that. Um, but yeah, like Fizz made the right adjustment, which again, kudos to him for doing it. And uh, we reaped a lot of the rewards from it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, that was really nice. But that, that starting lineup just needs to go. Um, the bench lineup looked infinitely better just with Frank instead of like Trier pretending to be a point guard, which is the least surprising thing ever. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Dot Dotson really needs he needs to get get in the rotation because you could tell like how much of an impact Ellington just like running off of screens and teams kind of having to respect that makes. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's pretty obvious that the solution is either just swapping Dotson for Morris and or you know doing the same thing with um what's uh, Frank and uh Peyton like it's 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 pretty obvious that Morris should be like the main kind of like focal point when like guys like Ellington and whatnot are running off screens. It's just, it just makes the most sense. And, 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 and like, you're not even get, like as annoying as like, we not even any of us were on board with the Alfred signing, but like if he has one elite skill, it's obviously that, you know, he can, um, like he, he can penetrate and kick. Like that's his, that's the one thing that, you know, nobody can take away from him. You're not even getting any, you're actually, totally eliminating that value playing him in that starting lineup. And if you play him, if yeah, if you switch him and Frank all of a sudden, like it makes so much more sense, right? Because what that starting lineup needs is actually like less on ball shot creation or just like less, less, they need less guys that need the ball to have an impact on the game. Exactly. Uh, and the, the bench actually could really use somebody that penetrates and like creates kick out shots for Knox and hopefully Morris and uh, Portis even, man. Like, Portis can shoot, you know? Like, he was 40% last year, and I think four attempts a game. Like, he can shoot the rock. So you want Alfred's penetration with that lineup way more. It, it, it adds, it, it at least gets value out of Alfred then. Um, even though I think, like, with with him, it's still, like, a good lineup. With Frank, it's still, like, a, 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 dec- a decent enough bench lineup. But, like, Alfred at least, your defense is going to get worse, but he will add offensive value to that bench lineup in a way that Frank just will not, because you know he's not going to be like this guy that's probing the paint for with his dribble for like the first eight ten seconds. Um, you know, Alfred will do that, and that has big time value. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think we're we're probably looking at a situation where the underrated part of starting Frank or maybe maybe it would be the the properly rated part would just be getting the ball into RJ's hands from the first thing in the game and letting him dictate things on the offensive end uh which is pretty sweet. I mean it's um, not just uh RJ's hand too. It's as simple as also getting the ball in Randall's hand cuz you could be running a lot more pick and roll with both Frank and RJ R- with mm-hmm. Randall as the pick and roll uh roller and like and also just, frank it, and mitch pick and rolls are pretty nasty exactly too. it just it makes so much more sense because randall is a play like he can pass we do we just watch them even all season he's been passing pretty well and it's like he's not going to turn the ball over as much when you give him open space on those short short roll situations it's i don't know it's just so obvious and that's what makes the whole fizz thing frustrating because this isn't even like complicated stuff right now yeah, yeah I, I think mean, randall i think randall often when he drives like into a double, for example, like if he gets the ball and he's and he gets doubled down low, I think he looks to the perimeter a lot more than he looks for someone coming towards the hoop. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's definitely more about or like someone closer to him. You know what I mean? Like like Marcus Morris would probably be around the elbow because that's just his his zone that he lives in a lot of times. Yeah. Carmelo and, Morris. That's his spot, man. Yeah. Get, and he's just he's get not going to look there. That's just not Randall's spot that he looks for. He looks for the perimeter and to try to get it swinging back around and then maybe hopefully back into him, you know, after it makes it around the perimeter a little bit, you know, if he, his defender, you know, sags back out to go defend the perimeter. So I don't know. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really curious to see if Alfred is hurt and if DSJ is still away for the next game. Like, 
I can't see in a million years that Fizdale would start DSJ. Uh, okay, I shouldn't say a million years. Are you sure about that? <laughs> in half a million years, I can't see Fizz starting DSJ. Um, the other half a million, maybe. But I, I don't think we're in one of those timelines. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he just opts to throw another shooter in there, like Wayne Ellington, uh, or if he opts to throw Frank in there with R.J. Barrett um, and, and you know, still kind of let R.J. be the de facto point guard anyway. Wouldn't, wouldn't the most wouldn't the most like Fizzdale thing be to just put Dotson into the starting lineup all of a sudden and he becomes oh, a yeah. rotation player? Well, that, it, I feel like that's the most Fizzdale thing choice to make here. That's uh, how he treated Dotson like all last year too. But be yeah, like, like I yeah, sorry, go ahead. It would just be like don't play, don't play, don't play, and then like thirty five minutes, forty minutes, thirty five minutes. Like yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, it, it's 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 just like you can just see how much of an impact like we saw I, I I we talked about this after on our show we talked about this after the Pelicans game where like it's like it's so obvious how much just having Wayne Ellington like that's it that's the one the, you had a lineup with one plus shooter but it was like it was so obvious how much value that added to that lineup and like made it look and flow so much better like i could probably get behind if he was like, no, no, I want to keep Frank where he's at and just play Dotson and Ellington with RJ. Like I could, I would probably be totally, I would, would be fine with that. Um, because I think you have really good balance then, right? You have two really good role men. You have one of them who can actually play make on the short roll. Uh, the floor would be spaced way better. You have two solid shooters, one being like borderline elite movement shooter. And then you have your primary ball handler initiator. You're, the one concern you'd have is like you'd probably wish Dotson or Ellington could be a little bit more dynamic with the ball in their hands. But uh, look, like we, like we've talked about, there's no, there are no easy answers. There are no, there are no perfect solutions with this roster. But you know, he has to, he has to optimize what he can get. And I think that there's a pretty decent argument for just be. And I, I kind of, I think I'm just talking myself into it. I, I think I would just be like, look, I love Frank, but. I, I like he's not, he's one of those guys where it's like he kind of does better when you just stick him in a role and just leave him there. Um, and like it is true. It just don't mess with it. Like Dotson and Ellington are just kind of like they'll just come in and do whatever the hell. And like they, they like they're they're very consistent almost, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they, yeah, you don't have to like like Dotson cannot play for 15 games. He's going to come in and do the same exact thing that he's always going to do. Same with Ellington. Like those guys are just ready like that, um, so I think that's what they should do. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're running a little long on this one, so I want to wrap up. Do you guys have any final thoughts coming out of this first win of the season that you want to share before we kind of wrap things up here? Yeah. Um, I just want to say if RJ was shooting seventy-five percent on his free throws, he would be tied for twelfth in scoring in the NBA, and he's also averaging more rebounds than Chris Porzingis. So what you're saying is he's already a top five player. Oh yeah, without and, doubt. And he yeah. tied Kristaps Porzingis' uh, career high in rebounds already in his fourth game. Yeah, um, and he's and he's had his career high in assists or more. He's had, he's eclipsed five assists in a game already, right? Yeah, he did he had it six in the one, right? Well, no, he, he had five. It... He had five tonight. I mean, it, like got more than five assists. Oh, I don't think he did that. Yeah, I thought he had six, but maybe I was wrong. E- either way. Yeah, RJ Barrett, very good. Chris Asperzingis, very bad, very flawed, very horrible player. Sad, sad, yeah, very terrible, sad. terrible human being, human being and player, and just you know all around present bag, terrible uh, lock presence. Yeah, just horrible attitude. A cancer, a men. cancer. He really you know, is. I yeah. I would not want. He's not the kind of guy I'd want to date my daughter. Not a gym rat. Um, definitely. Oh, no. Definitely he's definitely not, not the first one in and not he's definitely the last one in and the first one out. He's yeah. not scrappy. Yeah. He's definitely not scrappy. Definitely not a coach's son. That's the not a coach's son. Oh, definitely not. God. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you but, guys uh all right, who wants to fight over going first to promote themselves? <laughs> no, nah, not fighting. Schwing can go. I don't really want to uh promote too much. I don't really have anything to promote. Um I did a recap if you guys want to read that. Other than that. Let's Talk about your Twitter handle and posting and toasting. That's all you have to do. Come on. You know the drill. Uh, I am on Twitter, and uh, you can follow me at Schwinnie Poo. 
I also write on posting and toasting. And I just want to say that I do love Budim, even though I slandered him in cornet today mercilessly. I'm gonna I'm gonna give your recap the other day a little more props than you yourself gave it. I thought you wrote a very very good recap the other day, so I just like to say that of the next. I, you know, I I needed to like I could not write that after the game because I was just like very much in like fuck David Fizday. Like if I'd written it then that entire recap would have just been like 15 <laughs> bullet points on why I hate David Fizdale. But like yeah, I mean the Boston game was bad. Don't get me wrong, it was terrible. But I do think that he is. It's like frustrating because the starting lineup is so annoying. But then, like in all these games, other than the Boston game, he's actually made good adjustments. So at some point, you're just kind of hoping you're like, yeah. So you you get what you should do now, so you don't have to make in-game adjustments. Just figure like... it out before the game, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Drew, promote yourself, Twitter, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I got tons of things to plug. Um, you can follow me at Scooter Toots on Twitter. You can check out the Posting and Toasting Show. That's on iTunes and Google Play, I think. I don't know. Um, what else am I plugging? Oh, I want to have an article out, I think, tomorrow on uh, on some stuff. Uh, I want to plug Watchmen. And I want to plug How to Be a God in Central Florida because Kirsten Dunst is pretty awesome in that. Which one? Okay. How to Be a God in Central Florida. That sounds like a very, very on-brand Doug show. Oh it yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's it's really great. It's about a uh, a pyramid scheme with uh, trashy people in the uh, early '90s in Orlando. It's it's wonderful. Sorry, right. is the pyramid right. cocaine? Let's talk about this after the show. Oh, there's <laughs> definitely there's definitely uh, cocaine. <laughs> of course, follow Posting and Toasting where we all write for at PT Nick's blog. Follow the Posting and Toasting Show at Posting Show on Twitter. You're welcome, guys. And oh, yeah, follow all of us one. on Twitter. I'm at the Alex Wolf. Follow at Locked on Knicks if you don't already. Although hopefully that's where you heard about this episode. Until then, until next time, uh, thank you guys for coming on. All right, thanks, Alex. Thanks. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.